there's just a presence of the Lord in here today. I'm just, my heart is just going a mile a minute because of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much. Worship was awesome. Thank you. I didn't have this plan to say, but, you know, we were singing those words about just, you know, the blood of Christ has a better word. And I just, I was thinking some of the negative things that have been spoken over me sometimes. And if I would have listened to those words, I certainly wouldn't be standing here today. And it's not like people were trying to be mean or cruel, but, you know, I told you about my family. And when I told my dad, when I told my dad, I, I was, I, oh, I can't even speak. I think I was like in the ninth grade and I told my dad, I said, I think I'm going to go into the ministry because God put this in my heart, and I was trying to explain to him what the Lord, and he wasn't a Christian at the time, and he just was like, wasn't going to have it, <laughs> and he, he, at one point, he, he took me to the car, he's like, we're going to go for a ride, this was like maybe months and months later, he's taking me to the school, he's like, I think you should go here, he wanted me to go to like a secretarial school, and I'm like, dad, it's okay, I'm, I, I can't not. Oh, I cannot disobey what God has put in my heart. And I just remember um, even some of my siblings, because I was a really shy person, like shy. <laughs> this is not, <laughs> this is the Lord. This is not Stephanie Randolph or Stephanie Huggentugler was my uh, maiden name. This was not me. God just did such a work. And I'm so glad I did not listen. I love my dad. He's, he's saved, right? he's saved today. So he, 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 we talk about it sometimes, and he laughs. He goes, I just didn't understand, you know. But I'm so glad I listened to the Lord and not, you know, not other voices. But today, um, our last session, we're talking about she is clothed with dignity. And that's such a, a cool word, isn't it, dignity? Um, this is really important. I think this is a really important lesson today, and I hope, I hope we all grasp it. Here's what the Hebrew word means in Proverbs 31, verse 25, for dignity. It means beauty, splendor, and honor. The dictionary defines it as worthy of honor or respect, humble. And I was looking into some commentaries, and I, ha I just had to um, write some of these down. One commentary said this, that good name and honorable esteem, which she hath gained amongst all that know her by her, um, by her virtuous disposition and demeanor. I just thought that was kind of cool. Although I don't talk like that, you know, amongst. <laughs> anyway, um, to be clothed with dignity means that she was um, rewarded by her character and conduct. It's like when you, like I said, when you walk through the fire and, and you have the strength of the Lord and your character still shines through, you know, that's, that's true dignity. So to be clothed with dignity means she was, um, oh, she chooses to do the high road and to walk the noble path. That was another commentary. I thought that was really cool. She walks the noble road. She chooses the high road. And, of course, verse 25, it's not just about women, you know, being... Um, clothed in dignity. It, it, it could go for the whole church, right? You know, to be clothed in strength and dignity. But we need to be aware of our actions. And I'm sure you guys know this, but we need to be aware of our words, what our attitudes are, what our reactions are sometimes, especially if you're frustrated or a little bit angry. We have to, we have to be careful that we are Christ's light and we shine the light of Christ in this dark and depraved world. I mean, that is a testimony when you can 
have dignity, when you can have honor in your attitude and your reactions especially. You know, to be that person that, that lends a helping hand when, when everybody else is, is ignoring it. And, you know, to, to be able to be aware and, and, give, and give that help to that person, it's such a testimony. Or just, you know, when, when you're frustrated or angry, to, to have kindness come out of you, you know, and not like word vomit, you know, and just to have kindness come out of you. I mean, I have experienced that, but I don't want to be, you know, I want to be the person that has kindness coming out, that has compassion and gentleness, what, you know, what, that, that stuff that's Christ-like. This is what dignity is, you know, to be honorable, humble. Um, I like Philippians 2, 3. You have to have dignity to do this. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. That's true dignity, and it takes the strength of the Lord sometimes to do that, doesn't it? This is what dignity means, but it's not... I could, I could just go on and preach about this, but it's not what the Lord put in my heart, but I wanted to bring it up so you, so you know like the true definition and, and, and what it really means to, to walk out in dignity and to be clothed with dignity. But God just really put something on my heart, and I'm like, I got to be obedient, and I got to speak this. So I, I just want to pray that our hearts are open and received it because it was really so strong when I was preparing this message. So I'm just going to um, pause and pray if you don't mind. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you have your will and you have your way and that our hearts are open, God, and that we will just grasp this truth, Lord God, and it will change our lives and change our hearts, Lord God, so that we can truly be clothed with dignity, Lord God, and, and be a witness and a light that shines brightly for you, God, because we want to reach others, Lord God, for the glory of God. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God put, put in my, on my heart. When I, when I say that definition of dignity, you know, beauty, splendor, honor, I, I feel like some of you just close your eyes and you're just hanging your head and you're like, that's not me. I don't feel that way. I don't feel beautiful. I don't feel splendid. I don't feel honorable. And maybe you don't see yourself as that, but that's really what the truth is. You are clothed with dignity. I don't know if others put labels on you, but whether it was your past or, or, or your present, or maybe it's your own insecurity that you're putting things on yourself that, that are just not true, or maybe it's the enemy whispering things in your, in your head that you, just seem, that you just can't seem to shake. I don't know. But I know that there's some people in this room today that you just don't feel oh, I'm not splendid, or I'm not, I don't have majesty or, or honor or beauty or anything that dignity means. But I want to tell you the story of Lazarus. I just want to hone in on this point. Um, you know the story. <laughs> Lazarus was sick and he died and Jesus was on his way. He purposely tarried um, three days because he had a plan. <laughs> it wasn't a plan of Mary and Martha for Jesus to come on time and heal their brother. It was a plan to do a resurrection. Like I said, don't do your own plans because when you give it to the Lord, the miraculous happened. And didn't the miraculous happen here? So Lazarus is dead and Jesus is at his tomb. And he's like Martha and telling the others, roll the tomb away. 
And Martha's like, but Jesus, he's been in there for four days. There's going to be a smell like you, that you don't want to smell. Don't do it. Don't roll away the stone. And, and of course, I'm paraphrasing. And Jesus convinced them to do it. And they rolled away the stone. And Jesus is saying a prayer. And then at the end of his prayer, he just shouts out these words, Lazarus, come out. And wouldn't you know it, he did. He walked out of that grave all by himself. You know, no, no stretcher, no people, nobody helping him, or he's not leaning on anybody. All by himself, he walks out of that grave alive and not dead. And the first command that Jesus gave the people, he said, take off those grave clothes. He didn't say go greet them or hug them or kiss them or or you say, welcome back. He said, take off those grave clothes. And what God put in my heart today, some of those labels and some of those things that you tell yourself, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, or, or you're, you're a nobody, or you're a mistake, or you're insignificant, whatever the labels are, those are grave clothes. And you need to take off those grave clothes because you are clothed with strength and dignity. We do not need layers here take them off. So you're taken off whatever label. Oh, Stephanie, you can't be a minister. You don't have what it takes. I'm going to take off that grave clothes, right? Or I'm so, I'm such a mistake, you know, my parents didn't plan for me to be born. Take off those grave clothes. And that's true. My parents did not plan for me. I was a fifth kid. <laughs> and my sister was only like a year old. No, they did not plan for me. <laughs> Take off those gray clothes, whatever the label is. You are clothed with dignity. You are beauty. You are splendid. These are lies about yourself. Don't believe them. Don't let them hang on you. Take them off. And sometimes you literally have to do the motion. <laughs> Take it off, whatever it is. You are loved. You are good. You are a child of God. And that's one of my scripture verse, and I really appreciate the, the worship song. John 1, 12 says this, yet to all who did not receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not born of natural descent or human decision or husband's will, but born of God. You are a child of God. You are not forgotten. You are not a mistake. You are not insignificant. Those are the lies of the enemy. Take off the grave clothes and choose life today. Choose life you are made in the image of God, and you are his. You have beauty, honor, and splendor because of what Jesus had done for, for us. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's so incredible. We represent Christ. That's what, that's what it means to be a Christ ambassador. You are represent 
you're representing him. And you have, to, you have to know that you are clothed with dignity. None of those things, those negative things, whatever they are, represent Christ. And you got to take it off. You can't believe that. you got to shake it off, take them off, whatever, and wear that robe of strength and dignity like, like, like Jesus deserves because he paid the price. He made it possible for us to wear that robe. We represent him. Even though we are sinners and we are undeserving, we become his righteousness. He bought us back. He is our redeemer. That's what redeeming means. He bought us back just like Boaz and Ruth. He was the kinsman redeemer in that story. Jesus is our redeemer. He paid the debt of our sin, saved us from spiritual death so that we might become his righteousness. Do not put the, don't keep the grave clothes on. It's not what God wants. It's not why Jesus died and rose from, the, rose from the dead. We have to understand not to wear that on us anymore. It needs to get off of us. It's weighing us down. I was talking to the ladies out there in Ginger. We were talking about, you know, the weight of, of unforgiveness. And she, she said it very eloquently. I don't know if I can do it justice. But she said it's like, it's like a weight. And when you have that weight, you can't move forward. But this is what these grave clothes, it's a weight and you can't move forward. Take it off so you can move into what God has you to become or God has the blessings that he has for you. We have to take off the grave clothes. We are clothed in dignity, not with these lies. We can't carry them on our bodies, in our minds, or our hearts anymore. Take them off today. Go out these doors being free from that stuff those labels are going to be gone. This is the truth. This is the truth. You are clothed with dignity only because Jesus, not because of us, not because of you or me or anybody else. We cannot do those things of Proverbs 31 of the noble wife if it wasn't for, for God's love and God's strength and his dignity. Christ paid the price for us doesn't he deserve for us to wear those garments the way that they're supposed to be worn and not with junk all over them? You understand what I'm saying? Take off the grave clothes. Well, talking about Ruth a little bit, we're going to look at her again. And I'm so glad that she did not believe the people around her. You know, people, when she went to Bethlehem, I, I can imagine some of the things that people were saying about her. Oh, she's a Gentile. Oh, she's, a, she's from Moab. Mo, you know, Moab has a, a long history of being enemies of Israel. Oh, she, um, you know, she, she's, she's a Moabite. Oh, my goodness. She's, she's not one of Abraham's daughters, you know, just on and on and on. I'm just sure she got so much um, labels placed on her. But I want to I wanna read to you. This is such a beautiful passage, so, so please pay attention. This is so important. Um, Ruth chapter 2, I'm just going to read a little bit from verses 5 and 8. And this is a conversation Boaz had with um, his overseer. And then he has a conversation with Ruth. So this is um, Ruth's introduction to, to Boaz, her soon-to-be husband. So Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? The, over, the overseer replied, she is that Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, 
Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. Hmm. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. So the overseer is like, oh, yeah, she's that Moabite, you know, who came back with Naomi. I could just, you know, hear the, the disdain in his voice. But, you know, he didn't call her, oh, that's Naomi's uh, daughter-in-law. You think that's, you know, that would be the polite thing to say. Or, or no, she's, she's that widow, you know. It was, she was that Moabite. And Ruth did not let that stop her for being clothed with dignity. She did not let that stop her for doing the right thing. She kept gleaning those fields and picking the leftovers, which was humbling, but she was doing the right thing for her family. And she needed to do that, and that shows dignity. She was showing humbleness and honor in her character. You may think that what you're doing might not be enough, Oh, I'm just this in the church, or I'm just that. You know, don't say that. You know, when God sees you doing something for his glory, he sees it and it counts. You are special in God's eyes, and he is pleased. That is honor and splendor. No matter what you're doing, to the littlest to the biggest, God sees, and he sees it as honorable. Well, in chapter 2, what I read when Boaz went to talk to Ruth, what did he call her? He didn't call her, you Moabite. He didn't call her, you Gentile. He called her, my daughter. And that really resonated with me. And that, that phrase is a, is a term that in Bible days, older men would say to younger women. But, you know, my daughter. But, it, but it's a respectable title. It was a title of honor. It wasn't demeaning or anything like the other people were communicating with Ruth. He is the first one to embrace her as a human being and not that Gentile, <laughs> that unclean pagan he used to serve pagan gods. No, he's like, my daughter. And doesn't that remind you of a beautiful story in the New Testament? It reminds you of the woman with the issue of blood. Um, Luke 8, 40 to 48. I, won't re- I think it's going to be up there, but I, 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 I won't read it. But this is a wonderful story. So Jesus is on his way to heal um, a man's daughter, uh, Jairus' daughter, and there's a huge crowd just pressing against Jesus because everybody want, wants to see what he's going to do. They want to see this miracle. Meanwhile, there's this lady, we don't know her name, but she's been sick for 12 years with, with bleeding. And she went to doctors after doctors, and they couldn't help her. And she, and she kept you know, bleeding, and so according to the law, she was an outcast because she was considered unclean. So she had to leave her family and, and live in the outskirts of town. And who knows what they were calling her, mainly unclean. And if she would come near somebody, she would even have to yell, unclean, unclean. I mean, that was her label. And that's what she, she was believing about herself until she heard that Jesus was coming. And, and something clicked. And she was like, I am a child of God. And she was like, you know, I am a Jew. And, 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 and he'll, he'll talk to me. The other people might, might cast me aside, but I don't care. And I just see her like rising up above and not listening 
listening to what the crowd was saying and calling her or labeled her, right? She was taking what was rightfully hers. And she's like, I am going to get to Jesus. And so what does she do? I don't know if she purposely crawled on the ground. Maybe she didn't want people to see her. Or maybe she got tripped or whatnot. I don't know. But she's crawling on the ground. And she's, she's trying to reach Jesus. And she sees him, you know, at a distance. And she's like... I don't even have to be face-to-face with him. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, that's enough for me. And she finally gets close enough to reach out and stretch. And she touches his cloak. And she immediately feels healing her body. And not only that, Jesus feels the power leaving him. And he turns around. He's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus, are you crazy? Look at all these people pressing against you. Let's go. Come on. And Jairus is probably like, come on, Jesus. Let's go. My daughter, she needs a touch from you. Don't stop. And then Jesus decides to stop. And I do feel bad for Jairus because I was, was, you know, I'd be like, as a parent, I'd be freaking out. Don't stop. Don't stop. You know, my daughter, my daughter. But Jesus decides to stop because she's important, (laughs) because she's worthy, she has value, and he stops, and I can just picture it in my head, she's laying, or probably sitting on the floor, and I can just picture him cupping his hand, lifting up her chin, and saying, daughter, it was probably the first title in a long time that, that was special, that that was personal, that wasn't condemning, or, or, you know, wasn't, wasn't, disgusting, like unclean. He was calling her daughter, and he was telling her, you are clothed with dignity. This is no longer your life. You are made new, and not only are you healed, you're spiritually healed. You are my daughter, and it's so beautiful if you really grasp the concept. Her label was that unclean woman, that outcast, or that poor, hopeless girl, doctors can't help her. But somehow, she did not accept that label, and she rose above it and, and just knew that God was going to honor her and, and give her the blessing that she needs. And here she is standing whole, healed, no more bleeding, standing whole as a person, Now she has a name, whatever her name was, you know, whether it's Nancy. She's no longer unclean. She's Nancy, you know, whatever her name was. And that had been such a special, special moment for her. She was clothed in dignity. She has her life back. Jesus called her daughter and not unclean, just like Boaz called Ruth daughter. You are clothed. With dignity, even if other people look down on you or don't respect you or for some reason don't like you, you can't, you can't embrace that. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. You are daughter. Sorry. I just had a thought in my head. You know, one of those one of those times. It's like, should I go there? I don't know. But you, you are you are a daughter. You have dignity. You you are not a nobody. You are clothed with dignity. You are 
you are, are not forgotten. You are clothed with dignity. I just felt like I had to repeat that. You are not unwanted or unloved. You are clothed with dignity. You are not insignificant. You are clothed with dignity. God loves you, and he put that, that garment upon you. You are daughter. You are made in the image. Say that to yourself. I am clothed with dignity. So just, I don't know, picture yourself putting on that garment that Christ paid the price for you. Like, like I said in the first time, you know, those filthy rags are coming off and his garment of salvation and righteousness are coming on you. How could you not stand with your head tall, believe in the truth and not in the lies of the enemy? Don't believe the whispers of the enemy when it comes in your head. Shout, I am clothed with dignity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. Whether you were saved years and years ago, you're a new creation. Whether you were saved a week ago, you're, you're a new creation. That's what we have to stand upon. God makes all things new. She is clothed with strength and dignity. This is true because of Christ. You see, at the end of Ruth, Boaz marries her. He was her kinsman redeemer, and he saved the family, and he carried on the line of Emelech. That was uh, Naomi's husband. Not only did he carry on the line with a son, but Boaz and Ruth carried on the line of Christ. See, their son was Obed, and Obed had a son, Jesse, and Jesse had a son who was David, King David. And through that line came Jesus, he used the life of a Gentile, of a Moabite woman who people looked down and was disgusted by. But Jesus said, you are my daughter, and he used her. God said, you are my daughter, and he used her in the line of Christ. You don't know what God's going to, he can use you. Don't believe the lies that anybody put on you, or even if you're putting it on yourself, it just has to stop. You are clothed with dignity. And yes, I'm repeating myself for a reason. You just got to say it to yourself. I am clothed with dignity. I have honor. I have beauty. I have splendor because of Christ. Ruth was clothed in strength and dignity, a Moabite girl. And this had been one of the hardest times in her life. I mean, she lost everything, like I said before, her husband, and she left her family in Moabite to come to a strange land. And here, um, she gets blessed beyond reason because of her obedience, because of her strength, that, um, the strength that she's using in the Lord, and because of the dignity that she has in her life. And we see the ripple effects of blessings when it seemed like it was all hopeless, because that's what Naomi, she really painted a bleak picture. She even told the people, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. My life is bitter, or God has made my life bitter. I mean, but for some, somehow, Ruth did not listen to all those whispers or all those 
negative comments, she kept her, her mind on who the one true God was, and we see God blessed in her life. Unbelievable. See, you put things in Jesus' hand, and he does the miraculous. So these times, these are hard times, but we need to be, um, especially 2020, it's, 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 been, it's been kind of rough on everybody, I must say, but we have to continue to be clothed with strength and dignity. We can't just say, oh, you know, this is too hard for me, it does, you know, or it doesn't apply because this is unusual times. It does apply more than ever. Um, we have to make sure, and people People are more, you know, um, what's the word? They're, they're more prone to, to listen now because they're all confused. What's going on with, with the world today? And when we can walk a walk of dignity in 2020 with all that's going on, people are going to notice and they're going to say, how are you doing it? What, what's, what's, you know, how, how do you keep your joy? How you're not being frustrated and, and, and how you getting through this um, this, you know, financial struggling times and, you know, people losing their jobs and whatnot, and you're, and you're like, because of Jesus. That's the only testimony that we have is through the Lord. And I've known lots of people, relatives and friends, who lost their jobs and who are struggling, and yet they're keeping their, their robes and garments of strength and dignity on, and they're, and they're walking with honorable character because they're trusting in the Lord, and they're not giving up. They're, they're almost like Ruth. I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. It looks, looks like it's one of the worst scenarios, but I know there is hope, and I know God is going to bring me through. And you know what? I believe that for them, that there is hope, and God's going to bring them through, and not only bring them through, but bring them the blessings like we see in the story of Ruth. Um, I'm going to end with a personal, with a personal story about um, my adoption process. But also with Ruth, she, I wanted to mention, she also not only had a, a good character going through what, what she had, but she, she didn't make her own plans like we talked about before in the session one. She, she basically listened to Naomi, listened to Boaz, and she saw, she saw the blessing, and she did not really concoct her own plan in in a situation where she probably wanted to, you know, but she didn't do that. And I want to talk about walking in dignity with, with my story because it was really hard. It has to do with walking in strength too, but I, I got to a point in my circumstance where I had to decide what kind of character am I going to have walking through this fire because it was obvious that it was going to be a long journey. And at one point in time, I just had to decide, I'm going to walk through this with the best Christ-like character I can. That's, you know, that's being clothed with dignity. And just to back it up a little bit, um, I have a wonderful husband. His name is Tom, and he works at Lancaster Bible College. He is... Um, um, I just, <laughs> my mind just went, what does he do? <laughs> he's, in the, <laughs> he's in the physical education sport management um, program. The reason why I went blank is because I was going to say he's a department chair, but he just stepped down from that. He decided to um, take, take a break from that. But yeah, he does um, physical education, not, not gym class, but he teaches um, students how to be a teacher in physical education and also in sports, sport management. But anyway, all that to say, <laughs> that's where he works, and 
Um, he's just been such a blessing to me. We've been married 28 years. Um, yeah, we got married when we were 16. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, he's just been a blessing, a rock, and we've been on this journey together, and it really made our marriage closer. It didn't, it did not tear us apart at all, but we went through years of infertility, and I, I remember, you know, you know, that, that moment, hey, let's just try to have, let's, let's try to have a family, you know, let's, let's have a baby, and it just seems so easy. Everybody in my family was always so easy. I mean, they could um, just blink, and wow, she's having a baby, <laughs> and it's true. I'm, I, I tease my sister Jody all the time. She, she wasn't even trying both times when she had her kids, wasn't even trying, and just voila, she, you know, she had a baby, um, and so I, I remember, oh, yeah, let's have a family. And it just didn't happen. It, didn't, it just didn't happen. And so we go to the doctors. And um, I won't get too much into the details, but we both had some issues. Um, a lot of the issues were, were on me. And I, I do have a case of endometriosis and endometric um, cyst and all kinds of kinds of stuff going on and my husband had a little bit of an issue so the doctors was like you know this combination your 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 ability to have a child is is very low it's in the single percentages I he might have said eight or nine percent I can't quite remember it was so long ago and the reason why I can't remember because I decided not to listen to that because Tom and I immediately and I'm not just saying this it's true we immediately said well okay that's what the doctor says but you know God can do anything we both have seen miracles in our families like supernatural miracles so we're like well this is what I said I'm like so this problem is piece of cake you know that was my 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 saying the whole way through this is just a piece of cake for God it's not hard at all you can just blink it snap his fingers and it can happen. So we really believe for a miracle for me to get pregnant. So it, it, it just still, it wasn't happening. And, and it was very disappointing because you believe that God's going to do it. And then, ah, oh, it didn't happen. And, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it, that way it can be crushing on, on, on your emotions or it was crushing on my emotions. And that's why it's so emotional for someone going through infertility because you believe so much it can happen. And then when it does, it's like, ah, okay, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep pressing through. We decided not to do medications or IVF or anything. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but we were just like, God can just do this. Let's just let God do his thing. So, um, I don't even know how many years passed, but it was, it, was, it was a lot of years, and I was just getting tired and weary, and I'm like, oh, God, I said, I know you can do this, but, but when are you going to do this, and, and how is this going to happen, and everybody was having babies. For, for some reason, when you're going through infertility, it just seems like you come across every pregnant person there is, and it's, it can be really hard, and this is where I came with my decision. I had to watch, you know, my character. I have to watch my attitude, because... Everybody was getting pregnant. It seemed like they're having these babies. They're so happy, full of joy. Their families are growing, and I'm just, like, suffering. I'm like, oh, Lord, when? When? I, you know, it kind of felt like Hannah. When? And sometimes I even cried like Hannah. You know, you just have those moments. And I remember one time going to a baby shower. It was a really close cousin of mine just had a baby, and I was really happy for her. I really was. But some reason, like, I was alone, for one thing. Driving to this baby shower alone, it just hit me. 
I don't know if it was from the enemy or if it was just my own roller coaster of emotions. And I just started crying. I had to pull the car over the side of the road and I was just bawling and bawling and like ugly crying bawling, not like little whimpers or anything, just like, oh God. And I was just, I just had to do one of those and, you know, to calm myself down, to stop crying. And I said, I was talking to myself. I said, Stephanie, is this really how you want to act? Your, your closest cousin just had a baby. You want to go there crying because you're feeling sorry for yourself? And then I just started praying, God, help me. Help me to have the best attitude I can have. Help me to be happy for anybody who's having a baby and not so selfish in my own emotions because... I didn't want them to go through what I was going through. I didn't want anybody to go through that. So I'm going to be happy for them. I said, Lord, from now on, I'm going to be Christ-like. I'm going to put their joy first and not my suffering first. And I just totally decided to do a total shift. And I had this conversation on the side of the road with the Lord. And it was only by his strength that he helped me to do that. So I get to this baby shower. And of course, I've been bawling. My face is just awful. You know, my eyes and my face. And I'm trying, I was out of church. I'm trying to walk like this down and get to the bathroom as soon as I could. And I got to the bathroom and I'm like, oh my word, how am I going to fix myself? You can't really fix red eyes, you know? So I'm fixing myself in the mirror and this woman comes in. I knew who she was. Her name was Beth. And she looks at me. She goes, I have something to tell you. You know, again, God just sent somebody, you know, to, to help me. And she was like, um, she said something like, you must be feeling... In- you must be really going through a hard time because she knew we were trying to have a baby and, and we couldn't have a baby and it's been years and years. And, and she's just like, you know, it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to cry. And, and she's like, just let me tell you, God gave me two beautiful children when, when my husband and I were infertile. And she gave me her little story and it just encouraged me so much. And I was like, ah. Oh. I said, thank you. God just really touched my heart that day, and I was able to get through that baby shower having true, real joy for my cousin. It still doesn't make it easy walking through the journey. It was 12 years. It was 12 years. It was a long time. And some of it was my fault. I'm not saying it was because God wanted to, to wait some of it was my fault because I was making my own plans. And, that, and that's the point I want to, to really come across. You can't make your own plans in your life. You've got to give it to the Lord. So I remember one day I was um, in my living room, and at my church we were doing some type of uh, concert, not concert, like choir thing, singing for Easter. And, and so I was singing with them, and I had a part, and, you know, I had the, it was cassette tape, I had the cassette tape in there and I was practicing for this song and then I the Lord just came upon me and I just started weeping and and I knelt down on my floor by my chair that was kind of like my altar and I just started praying to the Lord I didn't know what he was what he was doing I just felt like God's presence so I'm praying and I'm praying and I hear the voice of God and it was so clear and I understood it perfectly you might not understand understand what he said to me but I'll explain it and he said Stephanie will you give me your babies that's all he said and I was like oh 
I knew exactly what he meant. Because in my head, I had it all planned out, and I had the, the dream, you know what I mean? I, I, I was going to have a redhead little girl with blue eyes. You know, I had it all planned out. I was going to have a boy with, that looked just like my husband with the dark hair and the blue eyes. And, <laughs> and he, so I, I just, this is what my family was going to look like. And he, when he said, will you give me your babies, I knew he was saying, give me the dreams in your head, put them in my hands, and don't even try to work it out anymore. So I immediately said yes to the Lord, but, you know, I said it while bawling my eyes out. <laughs> Say, yes, Lord, I will, I will. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if he meant I would never have any kids. I didn't know if it meant foster care or adoption. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know if it would mean eventually I would have my own child, but I just had to let go, let go of my own plans and walk this journey of infertility with strength and dignity, and that's what I did. And wouldn't you know it, that's when God worked the fastest. So months went by, and I hope you don't mind me sharing this story, but the, the long part of it, but months went by, it's really cool, and my husband was at work, he wasn't at LBC at this time. He was at Living World Academy. It was a Christian school. Um, he was teaching science and physical education. And, and so he was on a field trip, and he was talking to this parent. I guess the, the, the mom asked him about, oh, are you ever going to have any kids? You know, how people love to ask that to people who don't have kids. And so he was explaining to her some of our situation. And her daughter was there, and she overheard, of it. She overheard what Tom was saying to her mom. So the, the daughter, when she got home that day, she was like, Mom, she goes, this never really happened before, but I think God's speaking to me. And the mom's like, what? What, what, what is it, Sarah? And Sarah's like, Mom, I, I really feel like we need to tell Mr. Randolph about, um, about Live and Hope Adoption. You see, their family adopted a, a baby from this agency um, maybe four years ago. She's like, I really feel that God wants them to, to know about this. So they did, they, um, they got into the computer and, and did some research, and, and, and they found out that Live and Hope Adoption was having a seminar in Lancaster. Um, this adoption agency is near Philly. And it was, it was coming up quick. So, so they were like, we got to um, ask for them to mail this brochure so we can get it to Mr. Randolph in time. And sure enough, this brochure came from Little Hope, Live and Hope Adoption Agency about this seminar. So Sarah walks in one day to my husband's um, classroom, and she's like, Mr. Randolph, I felt one day that God was talking to me when you were telling my mom about your story. And I feel like that you're supposed to check out Live and Hope Adoption. And she, she hands him this pamphlet. And she's like, you know, there's a seminar this weekend. And she goes, they don't always have seminars in Lancaster. She goes, this is really pretty incredible that, you know, they're having one in Lancaster. And she's like, I, I'm just going to give it to you. You do what you need to do. And Sarah was only in eighth grade. She was, she was an eighth grader. <laughs> and God spoke to her heart. So that day... Tom came home. He was all excited. He comes through the door. I was already home. And he's like, this is it. This is it. That's all he said. This is it. This is it. And I'm like, what's it? What's it? <laughs> I'm like, what is it? And he just kept saying, this is it. He couldn't like catch his breath. And he's like, this is it. He, he, he pushes this pamphlet, you know, over to the table to where I am. He's like, we have to, he goes, oh, he goes, you have to go to this. You have to go to this. He goes, this is it. And it was an adoption agency called Living Hope Adoption who do Chinese adoptions. 
And I looked at it, and I said, this is it? <laughs> and I said, well, I gave this to God. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to manipulate anything. I don't know. And he's like, Stephanie. And he told me the story of Sarah. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I said, this could be it. <laughs> and he goes, I can't go with you. I'm like, what? He, he, he was a coach, and he had the tournament. And he's like, I can't go. I can't get out of it. So... I said, okay, I'll take my mom. So I took my mom, and we went to this seminar. And I wasn't convinced. Tom was all convinced. I wasn't convinced yet because I, was, I had this conversation with the Lord, and I didn't want, I'm like, God, if this is you, you're really going to have to tell me because my hands are off. I'm not making any plans anymore. And then um, I'm sitting in this, this seminar, and God's speaking to my heart, this is it. This is it. I was like, okay, God, this is it. We're going to have a baby from China. <laughs> and then I said, how are you going to afford it? Because they're, they're going over the cost and everything. And, and I'm like, piece of cake, right? Piece of cake with God. You put things in his hand, the miraculous happens. And so anyway, we got this process going to adopt from China. It's not the miracle that I had in my mind, but it's, it's the miracle that God had in his mind. And my daughter's adoption to me is a miracle, just as much as it would have been if I had my own child. Just the way God put it together, it was a miracle. And so it took us two years. It's, it's, it's a very lengthy, hard process. And I had such a good church, um, First Assembly, the they had a, a fund for me so people could give money if they wanted to, and the money just kept coming in. Tom and I took so many odd jobs. We had so many jobs. <laughs> I can't even explain it. And so many dirty jobs, you know what I mean? We should have been on that show, Dirty Jobs. <laughs> anyway, we worked for a cleaning service, and we were cleaning some of the most disgusting things. <laughs> I said, only for Michaela, only for Michaela would I do this. So nonetheless... We went to China and we, uh, two years later and we got our baby girl. Her name is Michaela. She's 16 today and um, she's a blessing to, to our family. And I just praise God that he helped me walk through that 12-year journey with strength and dignity. That I knew that my character was Christ-like. And here's, here's the, you know, holding my, my daughter for the first time. She was 10 months when, when we got her. It was just incredible. But the most incredible thing about this journey are the women I got to minister to along the way and then after. I can't even count on my hands how many women that I have ministered to that are dealing with some sort of infertility. And I got to pray with them. I got to encourage them. Some of them today I'm still really close with. Um, and, and God blessed them in all different ways. Some of them did IVF and had a baby. Some of them adopted. Some of them did foster care. One of my friends did foster care, and they got a newborn baby. Little did they know that that newborn baby had um, three sisters um, in foster care, and then they took on the whole family. So they ended up with four kids in less than a year. <laughs> it was just incredible. That's how they got their family. One of my, one of my friends, my closest friends, um, she adopted her first son through American adoption. And then God gave her, there, it, was, it was like 0% chance for her to have a baby or carry a baby. She, she just couldn't do it. But God gave her miracle baby number one on her own without infertility help, drugs, or anything. 
gave our miracle baby number two, number three, number four, number five. And, and any day now, she's expecting number six. <laughs> I'm not even lying. It's the truth. But I'm like, Kristen, did you have your baby yet? She's like, no. So she's having a boy, miracle baby number. You just don't know what God's going to do when you stop planning your own life and let him plan it for you. When you walk in strength and, and dignity and have the character of God, you don't know who you get to minister to. I love ministering to all these women. Like I said, some of them have gone, you know, they, they moved away or we only talked for a short while, but I know, they, I know that God put something in their hearts. So when you walk with strength and dignity, it's not just about your life. It becomes a testimony, ripple effect to another person and another person because of your testimony that you have when when you're when you're walking in strength and dignity when you're saying God I put it in your hands and let them multiply it that's what I mean by multiplying I believe he multiplied my blessing by ministering to so many women it wasn't having multiple babies it was um, ministering to multiple women and I believe my friend Kristen her her multiple babies I just like this is so incredible when you put things in God's hands you don't know what he's gonna do it just he blows your mind away you might be sitting here today and you you might not be feeling that way you might be feeling I'm walking through right in the thick of things and I just feel at my weakest. Well, that's okay because God is with you. He will give you the strength. He will give you the the, the honor and the splendor that that you need and you will make it through and you will see eventually the blessings. You will see the miraculous happen. Um, I'm not a prophetess, but I do know what the word of God says. And I do know it is true, every single word of it. And I do know God is faithful. And I do know that he is the God of the impossible. And I need you to know that too, because you can get through whatever you are going through. I would like to take, I wanted to do something really short or shorter so we could have time to pray. I would love if you want to come up and say, Stephanie, I need prayer, I would, I would love to pray with you. And I am open to do that. So um, I'm, I'll end in prayer. And if you want to come up, please come up and, and just let me pray with you or, or let Ginger or one of the, the leadership group pray with you. Um, if you want to tell a little bit of your story so we have understanding what we're praying for, that's fine. If you don't want to say anything, that's fine because God knows, but we will pray with you. Um, if you just want to um, write it on a, a little piece of paper up here, you can write your prayer request and put it in the basket. And there will be people praying for you for a very long time, what, through, throughout the week or month, whatever it takes. If you want to put your phone number down on there, right, Ginger? Someone from the church can then contact you and, and see how you're doing. If you want to be private, we respect that. You don't have to put a phone number on it. But, you know, God is the God of miracles. Let's pray for one another, right? Let's see what he's going to do today. It's The day is still short. <laughs> and God, I know he wants to do something. And I know he put that in my heart for a reason, that you, that you need to take off some of those grave clothes, whatever labels being placed upon you, and and uncover that uncover that robe of dignity because it's already on you god already put it on you just just uncover it so i'm gonna pray and if you want to come up for prayer please do please have the boldness to do that 
And if you just want to come up and, and write the card, that's that's awesome too, because let people pray with you, for you throughout the week, because we know that God hears us when we pray. So feel, feel free as, as I pray, okay? Lord, I just thank you so much for this time today. God, I just thank you that you are the God of miracles and you hear us when we pray and, and that you are a God that pricks our heart and you will say, hey, wait a minute, this is what I wanna do and you'll speak to us and you'll direct us and, and, and you will guide us in the way that you want us to go. God, I just pray for every woman in this room, Lord, if she's trying to make plans for herself, if she's trying to to have control over everything, God, that she would just let it go tonight, Lord, that she would just release that into your, your hands of the miraculous and the hands that multiply. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that lives will be changed here today, Lord God, that mindsets will be changed here today, God, that grave clothes will be taken off, Lord God, and our our garment of splendor, of, of dignity and strength would just be revealed, Lord God, that nothing would, would hinder that in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that there are people here that, that don't believe that that they are a daughter of God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would speak truth in their hearts through the Holy Spirit, God, and that would just resonate within them, Lord, that they would feel your embrace, that they would feel your love, Lord God, and that they would know that you died for them and you rose again for them, Lord God, and you do call them a child of God, that you do call her daughter, that you love her and you value her, Lord God. I just pray that that truth would just be poured out from their head to their toe and they will know, God, that they are your daughter. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would just have your way, whether they're in their seats or whether they're coming up forward or whether they're going to write in the card, Lord, that you would just have your way, God. Embrace us, Lord, I pray. Um, we love you and we want to honor you today, God. And we just thank you so much. For, for the word. We thank you so much for this time together, Lord. It, it gives us strength to, to communicate with each other and to lift each other up and to encourage one another. And I just pray, Lord, that we would know that we were in a good place today. And we thank you for your word that, that came forth, Lord Jesus, the, the truth of Proverbs 31, 25, and the truth of of every scripture that, that was read today, God. We just pray in Jesus' name that it will be a seed in our hearts, Lord God, that will grow and grow us as a Christian and grow us as as a daughter in you, Lord. And I, just, I pray, Lord, as we go out into the community and to our homes and to our friends, that we would testify the things that you have done, Lord God, and that we would testify even to the things that you haven't done yet, but we know that you are going to do. And I pray, Lord, that we will walk in faith and not by sight as we leave these doors. God, just um, do a fresh work, do a new thing. And I ask this in Jesus' name.